Hello and welcome to the IC Tech Talks podcast, part of the IC's continuing professional development program. I'm Alex Wynn, the IC's Knowledge Content Director. And I'm Mark Hansford, Director of Engineering Knowledge here at the ICE. Infrastructure is responsible for more than 50% of the UK's total carbon emissions and up to 70% of global carbon emissions. It is carbon emissions that are putting the well-being of the globe and humanity at risk. They are at the root of what we call climate change. Every fraction of a degree warmer the world gets has an impact, increasing the frequency and intensity of devastation, including droughts, wildfires and flooding. Various targets have been set to limit global warming, notably the Paris Agreement, which was adopted by 196 parties at the COP21 Climate Change Conference in December 2015. The agreement is a legally binding international treaty on climate change that aims to limit global warming to below 2 degrees C and preferably 1.5 degrees C compared to pre-industrial levels. The Climate Change Act 2008 commits the UK to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by at least 100% of 1990 levels net zero by 2050. Now, whether these targets are enough is up for debate. But what isn't up for debate is the fact that we aren't moving fast enough to meet any of them. The climate crisis presents the engineering profession with the biggest challenge it has ever faced. To help stave off environmental catastrophe, engineers need to completely rethink the infrastructure they provide and how this infrastructure is delivered and offer alternatives that do not deplete the world's resources or contribute to carbon emissions. In order to do so, engineers must be educated and supported to be able to think and act differently, make tough decisions and have difficult conversations. Therefore, the IC is launching a carbon literacy programme designed to give engineers the fundamental knowledge they need to make a difference. To understand why this programme matters and offer an introduction to carbon literacy, we're joined today by a brilliant guest, Lara Young. Lara is Climate Change Director for Costain, where she is the instigator and driving force behind establishing and implementing Costain's Climate Change Action Plan, Transition to a Net Zero Organisation. Challenging existing business models and processes, her role is to embed carbon management and drive the design and delivery of whole-life, low-carbon solutions across Costain. Lara is also leading the integration of the world's first standard for managing infrastructure carbon, PAS 2080, at Costain. Now, in addition to her work at Costain, in 2020, Lara joined the ICE's Carbon Project Steering Group and became chair of our Carbon Champion Review Panel in June 2021. Beyond even the ICE, uh, Lara was listed in the Energy Saving Trust's Eight Great Women list for the 2021 International Women's Day. She's also been named 2021 New Registrant of the Year by the Society for the Environment. She's been awarded Energy and Carbon Manager of the Year at the 2021 ED Sustainability Leaders Award and is a Highways UK Associate Laureate. So crikey, it is great to have you with us here today, Lara. And I do know you really care about this topic. So, I mean, just kick off. I mean, what drives you to be so keen to share knowledge and get people fired up about this topic? Okay, so uh, it's like to be here. Um, I think from my perspective, as much as it sounds really corny and cheesy, the honest answer is I have always been one of those people who wants to help make a difference. How exactly? Never really knew. Still can't tell you what my job or what I would like to do in the future, what that job will look like necessarily or the job title. But I have always known that I wanted to help make the biggest difference on the biggest scale possible. And so in order to do that, I'm fully cognizant of as much as I'd love to, I can't do it all on my own. So one of the biggest parts is ensuring that I can help bring as many people on the journey with me as much as I can. 
And talking about bringing people with you, nicely segueing, um, why are learning carbon literacy skills so crucial for IC members today and to the future of civil engineering? Yes, yeah, so as Mark as Mark framed at the beginning of the, the introduction, the scale or the, the the impact our industry has is colossal. So we are we certainly play a big part in the problem, but that does also mean we have a huge part to play in being part of the solution as well. And so therefore, it's it's essentially a, a business and a career imperative in in the future. You know, it's no longer a, an optional or a nice to do if you're that way inclined. This is one of the challenges that needs to be sort of embedded within the day to day of every civil engineer. So in that sense, it's crucial for the long term um, from a career perspective. Do you think civil engineers are responding to that carbon literacy name at the moment? Are they understanding what that means? Um, probably not, to be honest. I think it's such a, it is a really tricky um, world to navigate at the moment. There's so many acronyms, there's jargon, you know, there's different buzzwords, there's a consistently renewal different version of something that's essentially being called the, the well the same thing being called something slightly different so it's confusing enough even if you work in it day to day so as a civil engineer I'd, I'd fair play to you if you have been able to navigate sort of the, the murky and gray waters of what does that actually mean um I think we're getting better at it the ambition is definitely there certainly from my engagement from what I see some of the examples that we've seen on the carbon champion panel um that there are some amazing examples of it so there clearly is the the drive to do it I think this carbon literacy or the need for this carbon literacy is going to help give the keys to those people to be able to unlock the solutions in order to actually make it a reality. I think that's so important. I think it's so important that, that we here at ICE want to bring out through this through this programme, actually, that um, we are mindful that there are many engineers out there who, for no fault of their own potentially, you know, they were not educated in in, in carbon, carbon reduction, climate, climate change issues. And perhaps do feel a little bit alienated from the debate because they just it's just not native to them. Um, so we do want this program to be something, you know, and really easy entry point for everyone to sort of quickly get up to this, a similar level of, of capability. Um, so that's important for us going forward. And I suppose building on that, I mean, if, if you are coming into this potentially a bit cold, where, what do you see as the, the, the specific key skills that engineers are going to need to sort of get up to speed on quickly? Yeah, I think, and I think it's potentially harder for those that are mid-career or potentially have been a few years within the industry and already working and actually this wasn't a topic of, you know, discussion or a learning point through their educational programme. So it is completely new and it's something that's needs to be adopted. Um, I think one of the skills to be able to hone in on is actually we all know that no one can know everything and accepting actually where our shortcomings are, identifying where that is. Another one is around... Whilst civil engineering has a massive part to play in enabling tackling the whole climate change um, challenge and making that reality, even civil engineers on their own can't do it on their own. So there is a big piece around actually recognising everyone has a part to play. So planners, commercial, environmental teams. And one of the key skills, I think, from a, a civil engineering perspective is being able to engage with those different audiences to have an appreciation of what carbon means in their world in addition to what that means in in ours so um being able to translate i know that sounds quite sort of hard or high level but um the ability to really appreciate what that means because all of this is so interconnected and i think a big one of the big challenges we face around this is really joining up the dots to what does that mean in everyone's world so i think one of those it's the softer skills that really we need to hone in the technical aspects there will be some people that are more 
mature around low carbon materials or certain bits of design, but we all have our specificities even within civil engineering. So it really is honing in on those those softer skills and being able to influence potentially teams that we're not used to influencing as much. And that's kind of one of the opportunities, isn't it? The, the sort of expansion of the role of civil engineers and um, recognising that meeting these stretching targets for carbon and um, and just generally, like we've already established, even understanding what carbon literacy is. <laughs> um, it's an expanding field. Uh, there are obviously great opportunities for growing careers within that wider civil engineering field. Can you talk us through the sort of opportunities as you identify them for civil engineers and perhaps what what you see their future trends might become? Um, you know, because we've already talked about it might not be a, an ad- adaptation of their technical skills, but that breadth, what, yeah, how would you characterise that? Yeah, I would say there's a huge amount of opportunity. There is an opportunity to really tone in and, and become those technical specialists within those fields and really drive that change and be the game changer in that there is you know no one's got the answer yet so there is a real opportunity to genuinely shape what the industry looks like not just in you know 10 years time this is happening today and now so there is a true opportunity in the immediacy around those aspects i also think it's an expansion into other worlds that potentially have historically as an industry been slightly more siloed so it does open up to commercial it opens up to you know, the whole project management environmental, and it does become far more intertwined. So the breadth of the type of individuals, the challenges that get addressed, it's it's challenging or it can challenge an individual in different ways that potentially historically haven't been approached. And the example of addressing carbon emissions is just one aspect, you know, biodiversity and natural capital are the, the next challenges that are on the horizon we're already seeing happening. So the, the, the scale of this is, is massive and it really is a case of figuring out which bit's the most of interest to the individual to, to drive forward but there's yeah loads of opportunity well that's certainly good good to hear and and, and a good positive way to, to to look at this opportunity um but i suppose um in in the here and the now um we want our members civil engineers our infrastructure professionals to be to be firmly sort of embracing carbon reduction in everything they do in their day-to-day and i guess you can't get away from it that to do that, you've got to understand how you measure it and how to go about doing that. And and, and interestingly, I mean, I was looking only this morning at, at what our colleagues down the road at, uh, at Ricks for Chartered Fairs already, already ask their their members to do, and and it and it's it's quite a quite a serious ask, quite a quite a quite a good intensive document that their members are expected to know that in terms of addressing the carbon in all their projects and understanding it, measuring it. So so what, um, where, where are we at currently? There are tools and guidance available. Um, what, what, are the, what are the good ones? What are the ones we should be pointing our members towards? And, um, and how, do they, how do they easily get into it, understand it and, and make them work for them? Yeah, definitely. There is, it is, and it can be made into a bit of a dark art, the whole carbon agenda in itself. There is a piece around really appreciating what does carbon accounting mean? So understanding the different scopes or how a baseline is created and what do you do with the numbers after that. Um, that does mean I think there is also a balance to be had between we don't need everyone to be able to be a carbon accountant. We do need engineers to have an appreciation of what it means, how it works, etc. Doesn't mean they need to be the mastermind being able to carbon account unless they really want to do so and then by all means um, knock your socks off. Um, but I think from a tools perspective it can be a little bit overwhelming as you mentioned Mark. Um, there are more carbon calculators than than you can imagine and then there's a race to create even more 
Um, and, and it can be quite confusing navigating which ones are relevant, which ones aren't. Uh, I would suggest that there's been some great work and paper on the ICE around carbon database and, and to go on the website to, to find out more and that will redirect you to, to the relevant tools. There are specialist tools that are, that are currently out there for, for certain bits around materials, et cetera, um, that, that are worthwhile looking into in more detail if that is related to the works that you're focusing on. Um, but the, the greatest bit, I, to be honest, it's less about the tool, more around the framework that's being used. So the, the work that, or the process and the framework that PAS 2080 provides and the, the, that's currently being updated at the moment, at the, moment that um, the IT is helping coordinate is really probably the answer to the question. So the tool in itself, I would personally get less hung up on the tool. So long as it has, you know, they pretty much all work in the same way. It's more a case of actually what you do with the outputs from the tool. And that's where PAS 2080 comes in is really joining up those dots to actually make sure that once you have a carbon tool, you've got a number that's plugged into it and spit something out. What do you actually do with it? Well, that's that's reassuring to hear because, as you say, ICE is helping to deliver that that update. And and the plan is for those listening who who aren't aware, the plan is to, to launch that in early, very early in the new year. It's almost complete. And, and really importantly, um, because it is the, the standard on how to work out what your project's um, carbon impact is, is it first and foremost, it, it will be free for everyone to use and download, which um, which currently it's not. And really importantly, we'll be publishing alongside the new standard, new guidance, which we are intending to make really easy to engage in and to access. And and it's a big and important piece of work for us throughout the next six to 12 months to make sure as many people um, understand it and, and use it as possible. So that's very much a, an, a key key thing to look out for early in the new year. So could you maybe elaborate, I guess, with the PAS work and, and where we're at today and, and particularly with your experiences now of being at the helm of the Carbon Champions initiative, um, are there any real sort of standout examples of, of projects that are really starting to have significant carbon savings that and, and positive impacts on their local communities that you think are oh, we can extrapolate to other projects yeah so for those of you that haven't checked out the carbon champion uh, program what is this what does entail i do um implore that you go check out the website there's some great examples to be fair it wouldn't be fair to list just one or two there really are some brilliant case studies and videos that explain it far better than i'll be able to articulate but what we are seeing is there is a real momentum and some um, some brilliant opportunities of um, game-changing things that are happening at the moment that whilst they can't be made mainstream today, will be in the near future. So from, you know, redesigning piles all the way through to how contracts have set themselves up as a strategy and commercially in order to incentivize carbon. So it really does cover all topics from, you know, materials, design, the sheer sort of inception of how the strategy of a project's being set out. So it covers the whole life cycle of a um of a project in in how we're making that happen um to mark's point around pas 2080 and the guidance i think that will also well that should feature some really brilliant live real life tangible examples of okay what does this actually look like in reality how are we bringing it to life to to ensure that it does get distilled into to everyone's day-to-day -day? it is truly becoming or will become the mainstream thing to do it will no longer move to sort of being the innovative thing to do so yeah, I'd say definitely watch the space and um, I'm sure loads of people listening have other examples that they could also become champions with. So please don't be strangers. 
And that's a very important point as well. We are we're constantly on the lookout for more um, people to come forward in, in either as individuals or in your small project teams to really share your um, fantastic examples, which the only key requirements becoming a carbon champion is is that your carbon savings are quantifiable and that uh, we can verify that through through the use of a calculator of some sort and 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 what's really encouraging is we're you know we are sharing these uh our carbon champions stories um on the carbon champions linkedin community i'd very much urge everyone listening to join the IC Carbon Champions LinkedIn community because there you can interact directly with those involved and just pick their brains, find out how they did it. And all the Carbon Champions in, in there are more than happy to share their, their experiences. And and I suppose on, 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 on that, really, it's it's to those, those listening who really do want to be part of this, do want to drive change, um, what's your advice, Laura? So my advice would be certainly... Don't be shy to reach out to others. So there's a big part of, we said it at the beginning, no one knows all the answers. So don't try and be, you know, don't try and ensure that you do. It's reaching out to the relevant people, knowing who to ask or what to ask, or just don't be shy to, to frame that question to really seek where the opportunities are um, or, or what the answers could be and where others can help. Um, I know Mark didn't mention it, but the ICU Carbon Champion Programme is open to civil engineers, but also wider. So there's an ability to get your client recognised, your supply chain. Um, so everyone is welcome to this because we do recognise that actually it will take everyone in order to actually achieve this. So in terms of advice, I'd say don't be shy to ask questions. No, you know, there is no silly question around this and no one does have all the answers even to how do we get to net zero. There is no one that can really give you a straight, honest answer of these are the key things. We know the ingredients, but there are still some things that are unknown. So I think don't get hung up on that. Don't let perfection get in the way of tangible outcomes. I think there's a key bit around carbon accounting is not an exact science. There is a structure around it. There is frameworks, et cetera. But actually, there's going to be gaps in our data that we know from, you know, that, that, that exist in all sorts of aspects. So carbon data is no different. That We are certainly working towards it. And there's some great work being done by, by the IT to help ensure that we standardize that. But that shouldn't get in the way of, okay, we've got a baseline, even if it isn't totally perfect we can spend six months trying to refine it to the nth degree which whilst i admire the ambition kind of misses the point the point is actually okay getting to a baseline that's robust reflective etc and then using that to be able to drive change to inform decisions to appreciate you actually what you're doing or how how you're changing the project or what you're looking to influence what is the knock-on impact from a carbon perspective so i would say is don't get hung up on the perfection aspect there's a need for rigor and robustness but it is that pragmatic aspect of using it to drive change. Even if we were consistently measuring it wrong, if you're consistently doing it, it's driving a reduction, then actually, okay, they're still moving in the right direction. Um, and then lastly, um, it sounds very simple, but we have a real tendency at the moment of doing it, is um, don't try and tackle all of climate change in one go. As much as I do, again, admire the ambition, less is very much more in this instance. And actually really focus on a few things. Where your biggest bang for your buck is, hone in on that, really identify where those greatest opportunities are and then really take it to town with those. It's easier said than done, but prioritizing what are your need to do's and what you're nice to do. So actually, where is your biggest bang for your buck? Focus on that as a non-negotiable and then widen the scope where and if you can, because the amount of time that this takes to change and the, the, uh, certainly at the, the beginning to, to ensure that this is adopted fully across the industry, 
um, there is only so much we can do at a certain pace. So, yeah. I think that's great advice. And actually, one of my next questions, we're probably going to rephrase it because I think we're tendency was to sort of say these great, large ambitions and long term, quite scary targets. Um, you know, we were, could could consider have we got enough to go fast enough, but actually just on the basis of that, should civil engineers just not occupy themselves with that too much and and the fastness and the speed? Is is it is it more about the attitude and the and the advice you've just been talking about that will get us there? And are you optimistic of that, I suppose? So I'd say we shouldn't lose sight of the end goal. So it's still worth knowing actually there is a long term goal, but you know, 2030, 2050, that can still feel quite far away, you know. So it's worth not losing sight of it, but it's also worth not getting too preoccupied with what you need to do in 2029 when actually we haven't really completely resolved what we need to do in 2022 or 2023. So there is a piece around having that, that pragmatism and that sort of reality check to ensure that we are on the right track. I think we also can't shy away from actually what we've set out as an agenda has never been done before from a carbon emissions perspective. So we can't we can't retrofit achieving net zero into how we've currently worked because otherwise we'd already be doing that if that was the case. We're trying to at the moment, but we are coming to that tipping point, if I'm honest, around recognising that actually in order to do things differently, in order to drive the change at the pace and the scale we need, we can't do it how we've always done it or evolved as we always need to. So we, you know, there is no shying away from the fact that actually what we've done in our approach to innovation, our approach to driving change at an industry level needs to be replicated but on a way bigger scale and probably on a far faster pace than we ever have done before. So there is a need to accelerate and not lose the momentum around that. Um, so it's ensuring, I suppose, less is more, but that doesn't mean it can't be done at pace. What it does mean is, you know, it, it's making those tangible drives um, and, and implementation. So I am optimistic. I am also realistic. I think there is a pace around, we can genuinely, I do believe we can do this, my caveat would be so long as we do take tangible action in the here and now, we can't leave this to year 2029 in order to hit a 2030 target. So yes, it's feasible. Is it easy? No. There is, you know, we can't shy away from it. Doesn't mean it's not impossible though. It is realistic to do. It does require us to actually really change the way we have done and, and not just dabble in it. This is really changing the course on quite a significant level. So. No, thank you, Lara. I think as you've said there really, the you know, I think through things like Carbon Champions, it shows that tangible outcomes can be achieved right here, right now. We we know that there are many, many things that need to, to happen between now and 2030s and some big ticket items. We we know, we know we need to take carbon out of concrete, for example. We know there's some big stuff that needs to happen and, and pleasingly, that, you know, action is, is being taken in, in, in many of these key areas. But that shouldn't slow us down, you know. That's that shouldn't stop people thinking about what they can do here and now today, because we've got the we've got the examples, and 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 they're quantified. There's fantastic savings already being made, aren't there? So, so that's that's really the kind of get, kind of gets message of today, and and will be the message of our carbon and, and climate knowledge program. Um, so thank you, Lara, for joining us today and kicking things off by sharing your thoughts and experience. Much appreciated. And thanks from me too, Lara, and thanks to all of you for listening. Please do visit the IC Knowledge Hub, accessible via ic.org.uk, to explore more of our carbon literacy content and discover more podcasts, videos, and other resources. Content is added on a regular basis, so keep a lookout. I've been your co-host, Alex Wynn. And I've been your other co-host, Mark Hansford. This was an IC Tech Talks podcast. We hope you can join us again soon. <laughs>